0: I wonder how many of you have found yourself in the situation where you needed to invent a story that would convince others to believe. Maybe you can remember sometime in the past, maybe when you were playing an April Fool's joke, maybe when you were a kid and you were playing hooky from school and you had to invent something that had some false details in it, but it was believable. When we approach Christmas... We understand that all of Christmas, all of the details, and the most beautiful part of Christmas, Jesus Christ becoming a man so that he could pay for the sins of the world, these were all found in the heart and mind of God. But just for argument's sake today, would you play along with me? I want you to imagine that you were going to invent a story. In fact, let's go ahead and give this job to the disciples Many people who doubt the authenticity of the Bible, people that do not know Jesus Christ, they would be ones who would say, well, you can't really believe all that story about Jesus. That's all made up. Some people actually think that the disciples got together and made up all of these details. How good of a job do you think they did with this story? If you were going to invent a story that was believable, that was going to convince as many as possible and stand the test of time, how well do you think they did? Imagine the brainstorming session among Peter, John, Levi, James, and they're all having their brainstorming session. Okay, guys, we need to trick everybody to make them think that this is God over everything becoming a human. What should be part of the details? As we look at the Christmas story today, there are some of these that would have been very clearly horrible ideas. Why would somebody bring up that? That's not very believable. That's not going to be one that's going to convince people that what we're telling them is true. The Christmas story is filled with messages of humility. When we think of the word king, the word king doesn't go hand in hand with humility. And yet, humble beginnings mark the entrance of God becoming man in this world, and humble beginnings are the only way for man to enter God's world. I think it's a beautiful picture. He adds this area of humility to Jesus' story, and that's exactly where you and I need to begin. All that to take us to Luke chapter two. if you do if you have a Bible, would you please turn with me to Luke? Chapter 2. I think that the beginning of this section is very easy for us to relate to because what we're finding here is a birth announcement. We're familiar with birth announcements, aren't we? Many people get very, very creative with how they announce the birth of a child. Some of you can remember back in the old days, they would give out cigars that said, it's a boy or it's a girl. And now we can get beautiful pictures that will have a picture of the child on it. I've received some of those from some of the, in our church family here in the past several months. These days, something that rivals even the announcing of the birth of the baby is the, what they call the revealing of the gender, the gender reveal. Has anybody seen some creative ways how people have revealed the gender of the baby? I think they're going crazy with this kind of stuff. The way that they're letting people know that it's a boy or it's a girl before it's even born, boy, some people are making some money. In fact, just in the past uh, few weeks, Tina and I were driving through Ohio, and I saw on the side of the road something I'd never heard of before. It said, gender reveal using fireworks. I did some investigation. I had to look this up. Can you get your own fireworks that you can shoot off to reveal? what the gender of the baby is. Now, I found some small things that you can get to announce the gender of your baby. You can spend as little as $2.29 to get something called a soaring streamer that's going to give off a blue or a pink color. You can step it up a little bit more and you can get a, a smoke bomb that's going to give off blue smoke or pink smoke to reveal the gender of your baby. But for those of you who really want to go all out, I mean, if you really want to do it up, you can get the G440 Phantom 12 shot. 12 shots in a palm tree shape up to 175 feet high. That's in colors of either blue or pink. And you can reveal what the gender of the baby is in that magnificent way. What we see here in Luke chapter 2 is an announcement of a baby. Now, the first recipients of this announcement are going to be the shepherds. I want you to remember as we walk through this, that brainstorming session of these ones that they didn't really fool the world, but if we can imagine, some people think that they tried to trick the world. We've got problem number one with our brainstorming session. Look in chapter 2 and verse number 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Hold on, hold on, Peter. Shepherds, really? Because we want this message to spread. The idea is, is for us to give a message, and we want it to go in and take and spread like wildfire. So if we want the witnesses, the first ones that see this, to be somebody credible, why are we picking shepherds? Some of you might be aware that shepherds were not even credible witnesses in Judaism in a court of law. They were not allowed to give testimony because they were thought to be dishonest, not trustworthy. Also, if they were going to pick shepherds and they wanted the message to travel, one of the places they would want it to travel would be in synagogue. Let the message go to Synagogue. Well, because of the nature of the shepherd's job, they were ritually unclean. They couldn't even go to synagogue. This is a horrible idea. Whose idea was this? To first present it to the shepherds. Well, you and I understand that it was God's idea. And it's amazing that the very first recipients of the most important birth announcement in history was given to the shepherds. How might we relate this today? If we wanted to go and put this announcement of God becoming man, and we wanted to get it out there, maybe we could partner with a national magazine, a magazine that said all the stores. And so imagine you're walking through one of the grocery stores and you see these you know, dozen or so magazines for sale. Which one are we going to pick to put the birth of Jesus on? Which one would it be? Somebody says, I've got an idea. Let's use the National Enquirer. How about the National Enquirer? And you put on there, God becomes man. Well, you've got a credibility problem right off the bat. The choice of lowly shepherds lines up very well with other things in this story, including the Song of Mary, the Magnificat. If you look just across the page at chapter 1, In verse 52, we find a line that Mary gave in her song as she rejoiced, where she said, He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. God will bring down the mighty and will exalt the humble. And this is clearly seen in his choice for Jesus' family and is clearly seen in those who first hear the message. And I don't want this message of humility to be lost on us today. I think very, very intentionally, when God has Jesus come into this world, it is laced with humility. And I think that is to point you and I to how we are to come to the Father. If you'll hold your place here and turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, what we're going to see Paul do is he connects this idea of humility with how every man and every woman who will be saved must approach forgiveness. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, look at starting in verse number 26. "'For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards.' Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose, verse 27, what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring nothing things that are. So that no human being might boast in the presence of, of God. These unlikely recipients were closely related to how every man and woman who comes to Christ must come to Him. And so I want to encourage you, don't recoil at this lowly birth. Don't be ashamed of this part of the story. It's consistent with how you and I are to obtain the light. And this is consistent with how God works all throughout His plan. It's beautiful to observe church history when we observe God's message spreading across the world and how very clearly He would do things in a way that we would not. Let me mention one character. I brought his biography here with me, a short one. This is written for youth. It's a a book on William Carey. This is available for any of you to borrow. I recommend it highly to you. William Carey was an individual born in the 18th century. And he is called the father of modern missions. Many of you have heard of him before. Um, when I first went off to Bible college, the dorm I stayed in was named Carey Dorm after William Carey. A few things that we know about him, his parents were weavers in their small community. And Cary didn't really catch on to the weaving. And so they gave him an apprenticeship at age 14 to be a cobbler. Not very highly thought of in his area. After a few years, um, he got married. His wife's name was Dorothy. Dorothy could neither read nor write. On their marriage certificate, as we have record of today, she simply drew the figure of a cross in place where her signature should go. And so here's God. I'm going to reach India, and I need a guy. Who's it going to be? It'll be a shoemaker with just the right wife and he's going to go and be faithful and this message is going to spread like fire across that nation. Ridiculous, you might say. How many of you have learned that man's ways are not God's ways and they're always superior? We scratch our heads and we wonder why some things are happening the way that they are and God has such a beautiful way of making His plans happen. If we can go back to Jesus Christ and those shepherds that received this announcement, a familiar name that we talk about Jesus with is the name Lamb of God. And the Lamb of God would grow up and would speak to others. And He would say these words, I am the good shepherd And the good shepherd must give his life for the sheep. The next thing that we're going to find is the angelic appearance, the angelic appearance. And let's just say this is a move in the right direction for these guys who are brainstorming. Okay, the first recipients are going to be shepherds. That's a bad idea. That's a bad move. But now, the angelic appearance, now we're going the right direction. We need some kind of a real slam-bang announcement to get this going. Remember what the word angel means. Some of you know the, angel, the word angel actually means messenger. Look at verse, 19, or verse 9 of chapter 2. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Now this is more like it. This is going to be a story that people will believe. The angelic announcement is coming here. I've kind of pictured it in this way. I've kind of pictured it as God wants to use one of his messengers to send a very important message. So imagine the angels just kind of waiting around for their assignment and God comes walking in. They kind of sit up straight. Whoa, they're all ready for an assignment. They all want that and they're excited for it. So God chooses one of the angels. Yes, you there, you there. I've got one for you. Oh, great. Steps up. Okay, where am I going? Bethlehem. Bethlehem is the place that you're going. Yes, Bethlehem. I know I know right where that's at. I'm the, I'm the right angel for the job. All right. What's the message, God? Good news, great joy, Savior to the world. Oh, I'm the one that gets to deliver this message? Fantastic. Wonderful. All right. Okay, now, who am I going to give the message to when I come to Bethlehem? Shepherds. Are, are you sure? are you sure, God? You know, Michael was just down in Bethlehem not too long ago, and there's there's some pretty sharp people there in Bethlehem. There's some people who really will know how to get the word out with this. Are you sure about that? And when we come to the heart of this story, that takes us to the most important point that we'll look at today, and that is the explanation of why God came. If we get To this question, why was it that God came to earth? That is going to help us with so many ways and so many problems that we face even in our modern culture. Most people in our culture will accept the Christmas holiday. Most folks don't have a problem with gift giving. They don't have a problem with family gatherings but no one is going to benefit in the way God wants them to benefit until they are explained why God came. There's an old cartoon uh, by Charles Schultz. It's got a picture of Charlie Brown holding a sign that says, Jesus is the answer. Kind of reminds me of that John 3.16 guy in the sports events. Jesus is the answer. And then when you go down a few more frames in the cartoon, it's got Linus holding a question that says, or it's holding a sign that says, what is the question? I think the challenge for us is to take this message, joy to the world, the Lord has come, and to narrow that down to joy to Jeremy, the Lord has come. Joy to the world. To Tom, the Lord has come. And it's tricky because one of the most wonderful and beautiful things is that salvation is available to all mankind and God came for everybody. But if individuals do not make the connection that it is for me, I need this. They look in Luke chapter 2 and and they kind of can come to grips with, well, this seems to be about salvation. Well, salvation for who? Who, who, Who's in need of salvation? They must be talking about somebody else. You know, I I know I've got some cousins that are pretty messed up. Maybe they need salvation, but not me. Who is this for? And you and I have to take on that challenge to get it from. This is just a, a time for everybody to celebrate, for them specifically to celebrate, and for you to celebrate. Yes, it's for the world, but for them not to miss why God came is going to involve them taking a look at themselves. And so many of us, honestly, we're just too polite to tell them. We think that anyway. Well, let's just, I'll I'll be polite about it. I'll say that for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Instead, for Bill has sinned and has come short of the glory of God. Well, it's getting a little personal. That might not be very easy. That might be a tough message to give. If you believe that Jesus is the answer, then you have to say yes to know what the human predicament is. What is the problem? After all of these years, after all of these years of progress, of what some would call evolution, of what people would say is a modern era, how come, we are still living in a world that is filled with jealousy, so much jealousy. Why is it that with us supposedly getting better each day and each year, why is it that adultery is committed every day in this world? Why is there murder? Why are there wars? Look at verse thirteen. Of Luke 2. And suddenly there was with the angel. A multitude of heavenly hosts. Praising God and saying. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace. Among those with whom he is pleased. Boy is that a launching off pad right there. There's peace available. For those with whom God is pleased. If Jesus is the answer, then the question has to be, how is it that we can fix man's warped heart? But most of us are just too polite. We're too polite to tell others that their heart is warped and broken. So the question from verse 14 is, is God pleased with me? Is God pleased with that one? Yes, he came for the whole world, but we need to narrow it down. And sometimes our message is not, is not clear enough. Let me give this illustration. Let's say you work in an office building. And um, after lunch one day, you have a coworker that you work closely with come by. And as you're talking with him, he just has the, you don't know what he had for lunch, but his breath is just horrible. He just, it's not simple chronic halitosis; It is major halitosis that your coworker has. And you don't want to be, rude you don't want to you know say anything but you know that he has an appointment in the boss's office in just a few moments and you also know that the boss is one of those close talkers you know those close talkers are don't you and his breath is so bad and so you kind of you kind of hint at it hey uh john john would you would you care for a tic-tac oh no thanks i'm good john says john these are These are uh, fresh mints. They're great, John. Would you like one of these? No, thank you. And you let John go off to that meeting with his boss, with his breath smelling so bad. Oh, you let him down. He comes out of that meeting. You can kind of see his boss's eyes watering after he walks out of the room. (laughs) And then John has a break coming up, and there's a girl in the office that John kind of favors. And on his break, he's going to spend time with this girl. And they're going to go in the break room, and they're going to talk back and forth to each other. And so just before he goes off to his break, Hey, John, John, can I offer you a Tic Tac? No, no, I'm good. I, I don't want a Tic Tac. No, thanks. John, these are, these are really, really good. You should, you should have one of these Tic Tacs. No, thanks. And you let John go off to that disaster of a date over the break room table. So many of us are so polite. And to be, to be completely transparent, I'm glad you're polite. I'm glad to have such a friendly, kind church family that we are a part of. But you have to understand, it's not the kind thing to let someone go on and not realize that Jesus died for them. Joy to the world, joy to Jeremy, joy to Susan, joy to Joanna, joy to each individual. And so to take the big Christmas message that God became man for the peace of the world, verse 14 says, "...and on earth peace among those whom He is pleased." On earth, peace is available to those whom God is pleased. And everything that man can bring is like a filthy rag. All of man's own righteousness is like a filthy rag. And so Jesus coming into our world, the entire story, his mom and his stepdad and and the shepherds and the place where he was born, all of these things are filled with humility. And it is only with humility that man can enter into God's world. I would invite you today. Maybe you've celebrated Christmas for many years now. Maybe you love it and look forward to it. Maybe you've even sang joy to the world. But have you actually sang joy to yourself? Because you have realized that you were lost. You have realized that this is a message not just for the world, but for you individually. And for you and I, we need to be very, very specific. It is not the loving thing and the kind thing to let them go on and celebrate this holiday without celebrating Christ in their heart. Look at verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. The God of the universe saw to it, that he came into this world in very humble means. And the only way that you and I can enter into the kingdom of heaven is what by what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so I would ask you, do you have peace today? The difficult message of narrowing this down to yourself But it's at that point that truly you are involved in this group of those that have peace. We have a message that should light up. We have a message that should not be hidden. Do not allow your message to be hidden behind any of the other things that come along with the Christmas holiday. Because if you know the peace of God, I promise you, I promise you, the people around you, they want that peace that horrible breath of that coworker, and they're walking around with that and they're not even aware that they have it. And you think you're being polite by letting them go on that way. And you and I need to understand someone was kind enough to you to tell you that you were a sinner. Someone was thoughtful enough and honest enough to let you know that you are not on your way to heaven until you receive Jesus Christ personally. Yes, joy to the world, but you and I need to hear joy to you personally. And that's the message that we have to share. Blessed are the poor in spirit. The same way Jesus came into this world is the same way we enter into His. Would you pray with me? We praise you, Heavenly Father, for the shepherds. I look forward to very possibly meeting them and knowing them by name someday. I think that they were able to go and and meet with Jesus when he was just a baby. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for the humility that fills the Christmas story. I thank you, well, God, even the best that we could muster here to build something up would pale in comparison to what Christ left in heaven. And so we know that your son did not come to this world to be doted on and to be uh, rejoiced over with some kind of a choir and some kind of a palace. But he came into this world to take my punishment for my sin, as well as everyone else's. And because of that, I am included in this group that has peace. I thank you for that. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for keeping me in mind, not only allowing me to come to Jesus Christ, but allowing me to be a steward of this story. Thank you for the light that's within me. And I pray that each one of us would understand for us to be polite is no way to go through this world if we're keeping back the message of salvation. Allow us to share what God did for us and the peace that we now have and the peace that's available to those that are around us. While we have our heads bowed, I want to ask the piano to play through a song and I want to give you a chance, a chance to pray. It might be that you've never personally accepted Jesus, you've never known that peace that He offers because you've just kind of been going to the, the parties and the celebrations and going through the traditions but you've never, never really had Jesus as your Savior. Even during this moment, you can pray, ask God to save you from your sins based on the work that Jesus did on the cross. He died for you so that you would not have to spend an eternity separated from God in a place called hell. For others, I want to ask you to pray for God to give you creativity just the few days that are ahead of us, you'll have opportunity maybe to express that you are included in the group of people that have peace. We thank you that you can find favor in us, not because of anything that we have done, but because we've accepted that free gift of salvation. So I want to ask folks during this moment to pray. Ask for God to to lead, to direct, to open doors, and for you to be brave enough to, to make that statement. Maybe invite someone to a Bible study or to a church service. Maybe just ask questions about what they know of, of God and Jesus. Pick a moment now and ask God not to waste this holiday season by just going through all the ritual.